Good evening. It's good to see each one of you here tonight. Would you stand with me, please? And let's turn to page 260 in your hymn book. Page 260, His Way With Thee. We'll sing all three verses as we begin together tonight. Tis best to let Him have His way with thee. Let's sing it out on the first. Would you live for Jesus and be always pure and good? Would you walk with Him within the narrow road? Would you have him bear your burden, carry all your load? Let him have his way with thee. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee would you have him make you free and follow at his call would you know the peace that comes by giving all would you have him save you so that you need never fall let him have his way with thee his power can make you what you are to be his blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. Would you in his kingdom find a place of constant rest? Would you prove him true in providential test? Would you in his service labor always at your best? Let him have his way with thee. His power can make you what you ought to be. His blood can cleanse your heart and make you free. His love can fill your soul and you will see. T'was best for him to have his way with thee. Amen. What a blessing. Well, if you're lost tonight, that is the greatest decision you could ever make is to let him have his way with you. But let me also say this. If you're saved tonight, that's the greatest decision you could ever make is to let him have his way uh, with you. Sure glad you're here uh, tonight. Uh, it's the oasis in the desert or the lighthouse in the fog. I don't know how you want to put it tonight. Amen. But sure glad uh, that you are here. And so let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer tonight and ask God's blessing uh, on our services. I'm going to ask Brother Gary Waters if you would pray for us tonight, brother. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? And I uh, just wanted to mention a few uh, quick <clears throat> uh, announcements as really the month of January uh, as far as uh, different uh, events and things like that. So about to wrap up or has already really wrapped up and we're waiting on February to get here. But when we get to February, 
there's a lot of stuff going on, amen, and uh, so excited about that. Of course, the couples retreat, the Midwest uh, couples retreat, if you signed up to go to that, uh, make sure that you turn your money in for that, and don't forget about that. That's February the 2nd and the 3rd, Friday and Saturday, uh, there at the uh, Doubletree Hotel, amen, not the Dollar Tree, but the Doubletree Hotel over there in Overland Parks, right off of College Street. The first service Friday night starts uh, at 5 o'clock, and so make sure you're there for that. Looking forward to a good time uh, in the Lord. Uh, Sunday night, February the 4th, Brother Tim Quinlan, our youth director, is going uh, to be preaching. If you're wondering why he's preaching, it's because I'm preaching the couples retreat, and I will have preached six messages in three days, amen, or two days. And, and so anyways, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Tim preach. He did a great job starting Second Peter last Sunday night. Uh, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, February the 5th, which is on a Monday, uh, we had to reschedule and do some uh, rescheduling with uh, the basketball and volleyball games. And so those are going to be, there's going to be another set of, of those games, and that'll be here at home. And again, that's Monday, February the 5th, and that'll be at 6 p.m. Uh, in the evening. If you have kids in the youth department, there'll be a youth rally at Temple Baptist Church in El Dorado, Kansas at 7 o'clock at night. And that'll be Friday, February the 9th. If you have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, there is uh, Tuesday is the uh, February the 13th is the Valentine's Day party. And then February the 16th, which is on a Friday, will be the last set of volleyball and basketball games. And that'll start at 5 o'clock in the evening over at Heritage Baptist School, and I believe that's going to be a tournament-style uh, setting as, as well as I think uh, three uh, Christian schools are involved in that. And then lastly, wanted to mention this, February the 17th uh, is the church-wide uh, outreach for the month of February. That's Saturday <clears throat> at 10.30 in the morning. And then lastly, I wanted to mention this, we were able to get these out Sunday, some bookmarks uh, for our uh, church and uh, just kind of give you the, gives you the events of the things of the year. If you like to schedule your year out, plan your vacation and things like that, and you don't want to miss anything, and I would encourage you don't miss anything, amen? And, uh, but these, those are there in the table here, right here in the auditorium. Okay, go ahead and get your prayer list out uh, tonight. We do have a lot of things to uh, cover and, and to mention tonight. Sure, thankful, got a good uh, report yesterday from Brother Jim Wisdom. He was checking on... Uh, Miss Virginia Potts, and then also Sister Jean uh, Wiseman, and both of them are improving. Miss Jean Wiseman had been very, very sick, and so thankful for that. Both of them talked like they were going to be here Sunday, and so that was a real blessing uh, there. Uh, do uh, continue to pray uh, for them. Did uh, also pray for uh, Brother Rich Raymer. He's going to be having uh, his first round of carpal tunnel syndrome, carpal tunnel surgery not syndrome. Uh, he's probably got some kind of syndrome back there, amen. But anyways, he's having carpal tunnel surgery. Sorry about that, brother. And uh, that's going to be uh, this week on the 26th. And so that's just uh, a couple of days from now. So that'll be Friday. And so pray uh, for uh, that. And then also uh, Miss uh, Marie Christian had her eye surgery uh, rescheduled for February uh, the 20th, and then I uh, got a great report on Brad Sullivan, a friend of the Griffin family, and he is continuing to improve, and so praise the Lord for that. Did have some things tonight, if you could uh, add on there and some other updates uh, tonight. Over on the right-hand side of the page under other requests, 
Uh, if you could pray for Christy and Joseph Brummett, that's uh, brother or Miss uh, uh, Melanie Edler's uh, daughter and then grandson. And if you could just pray for them, just a special request for this week. And I know they would appreciate uh, that. Also was able to kind of uh, talk a little bit with Matt uh, Dawsing and uh, Matt and Shelby. And they said everything was going uh, really good uh, as they were getting adjusted down there to Texas, to which I thought I'm sure it is really good because you're not in the frozen tundra anymore, amen. Uh, but uh, I think we can probably take them off the prayer list uh, now, and so that's a real blessing uh, there. I have quite a few to add tonight, so if you got your pens ready, get ready for this. Uh, if you could add on there Kirk Staley. This is a good friend of Brother Jack Parker, our missionary to, uh, to Japan, and I believe they're up in the, the state of Wyoming, isn't that correct? Montana, and uh, serving the Lord up there. And uh, they've actually visited here, him and his wife and family, uh, several occasions. And just a good brother, they found a mass on his kidney, and it's most likely cancer. And uh, just a young guy in his early 30s, and uh, he's got an appointment with a specialist uh, at the end of this month, January the 29th. And so Jack asked if we could pray for him, and so make sure that uh, you add him onto our prayer list, uh, Kirk Staley. And then also Dave and Deborah Shane, if you could continue to pray for them. Uh, many of you know this, but they've been dealing with COVID and sickness and things like that, and so pray for them. Also, Brother Gary Clark texted me today. He's not here tonight. If you would pray for him. He's got some pretty severe blisters on his feet and uh, got so much wrapping on them from the doctor, he couldn't get his shoes on. And I didn't encourage him to come in his flip-flops. Amen. Uh, but if you would pray for him, uh, it's pretty serious uh, stuff there. And then also my little buddy Landon Reeves, if you could pray for him. He's got, uh, has some eczema and uh, got infected there, and so he's uh, kind of dealing with that. So pray for him and also CJ and Rachel as they take care of him. So those are the things to add on tonight. So if you have any updates or uh, prayer requests or anything like that, I do uh, want to mention our, our, our sick side of things is really filling up. So if there's any updates and folks that we can take off, and, and I real, you know, if they need to be left on there, we need to pray for them. But I know sometimes we can add people on and then we forget about it. And so if there's some we need to take off, uh, we need to take off. And so any updates tonight? I, I know uh, Kristen Kennedy had one. Henry, Henry, is that your grandpa? Henry Perez, uh, which is the third one down there on the first column in the health. Uh, he's actually in ICU and a really serious situation there and so if you could pray for him and certainly just pray for their family they've been through a lot here lately and i know they would appreciate uh, that anybody else tonight saw some hands going up okay miss sue okay okay mercy okay Praise the Lord. Good. Okay. Mm. Okay, so continue to pray for little maddie owens four-year-old dealing with leukemia and then also robin berenger uh that they found a mass on her kidney and so let's remember them in prayer absolutely okay yes ma'am sorry 
Yes, yes. Oh, man. Okay. All right, so that's Carolyn Nash, and so she passed away. And that was a co-worker? Or mother, okay. And so passed away. All right, so let's pray for that family. All right. And so we'll move her to the bereavement side, and so pray for the Nash family. Okay, Brother Matt? Yes. Mercy, he better enjoy that night. So that's the tenth. All right. All right, so pray for Ethan uh, with his wisdom teeth going on. I was going to say feed him Andy's frozen custard, but I don't think he can have dairy, right? So that's a... He better, he be, they better have Andy's in heaven so he can at least eat it with his glorified body, right? Amen. So, amen. Amen. All right, I saw some, another hand. Miss Sammy, yes. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Sorry. Uh, no, that's uh, Brother Jack had texted me about that, so I know you guys are all friends. Yeah, and so we got him on there. So, yep, you bet. Praying for him for sure. So, good guy. All right, anybody else? Okay, Miss Marilyn. Good, praise the Lord. Okay, all right, so that's uh, Brother James Moeller and a uh, good man of God there, and so pray, uh, that's a blessing there. We can take him off. He's doing better. That's a blessing. Anybody else tonight as we go to the Lord in prayer? All right, let's go ahead and, and have our men come tonight. And uh, mercy. <clears throat> Got a lot of things to pray for tonight, amen. And uh, a lot of folks going through some things. Some things to rejoice in, but some things to let the Lord take care of tonight, amen. And so let's pray for these things. I'm going to ask Brother Will Kennedy if you'd pray for us tonight. Amen. Amen.
Let's stand one last time together. Turn to page 295 with me. Page number 295. I will sing the wondrous story. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4 together tonight. Page 295, verses 1, 2, and 4. Sing it out on that first. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. How he left his home in glory for the cross of Calvary. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. I was lost, but Jesus found me, found the sheep that went astray. Threw his loving arms around me, drew me back into his way. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. Days of darkness still come o'er me, sorrow's paths I often tread. But the Savior still is with me, by His hand I'm safely led. Yes, I'll sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. Sing it with the saints in glory gathered by the crystal sea. Amen. Let's remain standing tonight. Get your Bibles ready for the message, please. Amen. Well, what a blessing tonight. I was thinking about all the prayer requests, and I'm sure thankful we can go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. And we can turn those things over to Him. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy and and chapter number 5 tonight, uh, we're kind of getting back into our uh, pastoral epistles that we have started uh, in our Wednesday night uh, series. And uh, of course, First Timothy is, is uh, the one that we have uh, started in and have been in for quite uh, some time. I uh, just want to remind you tonight that the term, the term church polity has been mentioned on, on several uh, occasions as we've gone throughout this, really all three pastoral uh, epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, they all have different different principles that we can glean from that help New Testament Baptist churches govern themselves in a godly manner. And 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 certainly this is going to. I, I mentioned this in the last message that this is going to come to light in chapter number five. And what I would say to you is this, you're going to big time see it tonight, okay? And so if you remember, we looked at the first three verses there uh, of chapter number five in the last message. It talks about Timothy building relationships. You can't do ministry on your own, amen? And uh, we need uh, one another. And, and so Timothy was encouraged to entreat the elder men as fathers, the older men, the older ladies as as mothers and the younger men as brothers and the younger uh, women as sisters with all purity and and so you and I are all both to you you and I are to build 
those similar relationships as well. But now watch this. In verse number three, he says, honor the widows that honor widows that are widows indeed. Okay? And, and so lastly, he says, honor widows. And then beginning in our text tonight in verse number four, he's going to give us some instruction here. Look at what it says in verse number four. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them first, let them learn to, uh, first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. They, talking about the church at Ephesus that Timothy is sent to. And so notice in verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, and, specific, and, and, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow be taken into number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have uh, brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently uh, followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse, for, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith and with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busy, busy, busy bodies, mercy, speaking things which they ought not. Now, I know I'm struggling there, but the reality is, these are same, the same stuff we do in our day and time. And in verse 14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, uh, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some have already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them, that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Church polity, really good stuff right here. Okay, and so the idea here is this: as he is. Stop there in verse number three, or we stopped there last week, and he said, honor the widows. The idea here is that it, he, he's going further into this, and, and so it, it certainly becomes, it becomes what we would call church polity, how to govern and manage our affairs. And, and what I would say to you tonight is this, is that church polity like this is important because it gives us biblical principles on how to care for these groups in a godly, ethical manner. But now watch this. It also helps us to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's incredibly important. And, 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 and so that's, this, is what we're gonna, this is what I titled the message tonight, Dealing with Widows. But I got a little parenthesis here or a side note because what we're going to see in the end of this is that these principles aren't just good for helping widows. In the culture that we're living in today where everybody wants a handout and everybody wants help, this gives us a tremendous amount of guidance and help as a church body. Father, thank you tonight. And Lord, I, I really, I, I really want to thank you publicly as I've thanked you privately 
I think about the things that we're going to deal with in, in chapter 5 and, and some of the church polity and governing and things like that. And I'm just really grateful tonight that there is a great deal of liberty to preach because I already know the people that I'm among and I know that a lot of them are already doing these things. They care for one another. They love one another. We're building relationships. And Lord to God, we care for our moms and our dads and our grandparents and great-grandparents and and so I pray tonight, Father, that you would just help, that you would speak. I, I pray that maybe some things would be said tonight to encourage us, to, uh, Lord, to keep doing what we're already doing, maybe even to learn some things and be challenged in some areas where we're not doing the things that we need to be doing. And, and Lord, even when it comes to dealing with our culture and the day and age in which we live, I know sometimes, Lord, there's a lot of difficult decisions that the pastor has to make and I'm thankful tonight, Lord, for that. I'm thankful that there are people in this room tonight that are just all, that they're behind the pastor and that they're, they realize the difficulty of those things. And, and Lord, we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. And so, Lord, help us to glean from these things tonight. Help us to be balanced in who we are as a people. Lord, we're called to be compassionate. We're called to give a code if we have to and all of those things. But Lord God, help us to also be reminded that we don't want to be, we, we don't want to further someone's evil. And so, Lord, there's balance there. Lord, help us to, to, to be reminded tonight, not to harden our heart to this lost and dying world that may have things in a wrong view when it comes to church and those kind of things. We're not a bank and we're not a, we're, we're not a shelter and we're not a, Lord, we're not a, uh, Lord, we're not, we're just, we're not those things. We're not a food uh, shelter or any of the, we're, Lord, we're a church that's to preach the gospel. And so, Lord, help us to just keep all of these things in mind tonight, to be balanced and to be the people, the church that you've called us to be. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated tonight? I don't, I don't know if you're, <laughs> I don't know if you're like me. I, in some ways, I hope not. Amen. Uh, but I, I do uh, find myself oftentimes having, ha having good intentions but I also know this, it's another thing to see those intentions carry through. Does that make sense? And, and I know for me, I, I know I kind of struggle with that. Uh, actually, I was thinking about uh, just this week and, and uh, you know, I came into the office. I, I had Monday off and I came into the office Tuesday and I had the intention uh, yesterday and even today to come in and, and wanted to prepare for tonight and chapel today. But then I wanted to get ready for the couples retreat that that uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to preach uh, next week. And I, I, found, I found myself doing a host of other things of lesser importance instead of, in, instead of keeping the main thing the main thing. Does that make sense? And, and, and keeping my focus on what I had. I got, I got sidetracked, which is, you know, I, I often uh, tend to do. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get across tonight is this, is that this same kind of sidetracking can also happen to a church corporately. I want you to think about this tonight. There's, there's, more, there's more than one way to steer a church off course other than false doctrine that Paul dealt with in, in chapter number four. See, well, the needs and the wants of the people can so overwhelm a ministry that it can end up, a church can end up becoming something entirely different from what it was meant to be in the Scriptures. 
Um, and, and please get this tonight. A, a church's primary mission is not to be a homeless shelter. And it's not to be an orphanage or a retirement village. Or, or by the way, and, and don't, take, don't, don't try to put words in my mouth or, or think that I'm trying to assert some kind of innuendo. But let me say this tonight. It's not the main function of the church to be a Christian school. And I'm very grateful for our Christian school. And don't walk out of here tonight going, oh, I knew it. He's going to shut the Christian school down. Nope, going to keep the Christian school going. All right? Not, not, it's not, not at all in, in my mind. But, but you understand, that's not the main, that's not the main function of, of the church. And please understand this, that in many cases, there's nothing wrong with these things becoming ministries of the church, but they should never be the church. You, you understand what I'm trying to get across to you tonight? And I'll tell you this, I'll tell you a great example. And be a fact, it's a positive example tonight. How about that? Um, uh, I, love, I love our missionaries, Nelson and Kathy Dorr, our missionaries to Mexico. And we have known the Doors for years uh, when we were pastoring in Cassville. And when we first met them, the church there had already supported them. And we had support, uh, uh, when we were at Berean Baptist Church, they had supported them. And so I had never met the Doors personally. And they came up. And I'm telling you, you want to get on my good side immediately? He handed me a thing of coffee. And son, and I'm telling you, and it was coffee. From, I mean, real coffee. I made one cup and, and drank. I, made, I drank I drank two cups in the morning. I drank two cups of that coffee, and I came in that morning, and I was doing this. And I, said, I looked at Natalie, and I was like, I don't know what's in that, but that's good right there. And I had to cut it back to one cup, amen. That's, anyways, I don't, that's not even in my notes. That's all free, amen, but... You know, when, when they went to Mexico, they, they began to see a need for an orphanage because they, there were all of these kids who had parents that, that didn't want them or would not take care of them. And, and so they, they established an orphanage uh, out, out of their church. However, listen to this, the church did not become all about the orphanage. Rather, the orphanage became an extension or a ministry of the church. The church they started is, is still about the gospel of Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel and church planning and training men to preach and, and sending them out. And be a fact, as a result of this, they have, they have seen over the years that they've been there in the Navajo Valley there in Mexico, they, they have seen uh, many of those orphans get saved, called to preach, trained, and sent them out to plant uh, independent Baptist churches out of their own church. That, that, is a, that is a blessing. That Listen, that's the way it ought to work when things are kept in their rightful place. You, you understand what I'm saying? But, but because I have seen where, where churches start an orphanage and then it becomes all about the orphanage. Or, or, or a shelter or, or, or a food bank or, or whatever. And what I want to say to you tonight is this. As much, and again, as much as I appreciate those, those types of ministries, orphanages, homeless shelters, nursing homes, whatever the case may be, they're all wonderful and they're necessary, certainly in the societies that we live in. But listen to this tonight. Christ died for the church. He died for the church. And as Faith Baptist Church, we have the responsibility to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's ultimately, that's ultimately the principle that we must draw away from our text tonight. The church at Ephesus may have very well 
been in danger of being overtaken by the demands and, and needs of the people, especially uh, the widows within the church. And so therefore, in order for Timothy to keep the ministry on track, Paul begins to instruct him here uh, in, our, in our text tonight. As, as we saw last week in verse number 3, listen, widows are to be honored. They're to be honored. And this means that they're to be considered valuable. L listen to me. Our culture may not consider the elderly and, or widows of value, but I'm telling you, that's not the way God's people are to treat people. That they are valuable. They have a soul and God loves them, died for them, wants them to be saved. And so they are to be cared for. And by the way, that's not just lip service. That means this, that, that their needs are to truly be met. And so we would understand that tonight. But, but something else that we've got to explain is that though this, this might seem strange for us somewhat in our day and time, you've got to understand in their day and time, this is a great need. You've got to think about some of the things that, you know, and, and consider their, their society in which they lived in. The, though widows aren't always women, we understand that tonight. Uh, uh, for, for widow women in particular, life becomes extremely difficult here. You, you understand, they didn't work outside the homes in those days. They just, they didn't have those kind of opportunities. They, I mean, sure, you could make a little money sewing or, or something like that or cooking. I, I, I think of Aquila and Priscilla and how they made tents and things like that. But I'm just saying, for the most part, a, a woman couldn't walk down the road and, and get a job at a factory or work for a company somewhere. That's just not how it worked uh, like it does to, today. And the other thing to think about is this. There was no assistance. There was no Social Security. There was no 401Ks. There was no... There was, none, none of, there was no Medicare. Once a spouse died, especially if it was a husband, the, the reality was this. There was no more income. This was a serious, serious situation. The other thing to think about is this, is that in the Jewish culture, did you know this? Jewish widows could rely on the temple or the local synagogue for assistance. But once a Jew got saved, and then... They decided they were going to follow Christ and, and that, that, that he was the Messiah. You understand that they, they were then removed from the temple and, and cast out of the temple, thus forfeiting any financial help. I'm just telling you, when these people followed Christ in baptism back then, they meant it. They were serious about it, which is really how we should be. But they, they had to be back, back then. There, there's a scene. In fact, there's a scene in John chapter 9 where Jesus heals a blind man and the Pharisees of the temple, the scribes of the temple, they come to him and they start questioning him and they go to his mom and dad to verify if he had been blind from his birth. And his mom and dad, they're like, whoa, whoa, yeah, he's been blind from his birth, but you go, you go talk to him and, and, and talk with him. We don't, we, don't, we don't want anything to do with this. And it said that they feared the Jews. Well, the, what, what it's talking about is this. They feared getting kicked out of the temple and losing those benefits. That's what it's talking about. In Ephesus, and here's the other thing, in Ephesus, you didn't just have Jewish widows, you had Gentile widows. And they all had, they, they all had needs. This type of atmosphere it explains why the office of deacon was created in Acts chapter 6. When you had the Hebrew uh, widows and then you had the Greek widows, and I realize some of them, many of them were probably Hellenistic Jews, but I would venture to say some of them were Gentile Jews and they were not being helped. And so they started the office of deacon 
uh, to help those widows in need. So, so, so you understand the mindset in, in what's going on here. And, and, and so that, you, you know, you got to understand those things. And when you take all of this into consideration, it tells us some things, doesn't it? I mean, if all this stuff's going on and there's all these needs, well, certainly for me, it says this. One of those things is this. It says to me that when it comes to our folks who are in need, we shouldn't have to send them down, to, down the street to depend on some charity. I mean, you understand that, you know, when, when people, the Jews went to the temple and then the office of the deacons was created in the church at Jerusalem. I'm just saying to you that there's, there's some needs there that, that ought to be met by God's people. We ought to do everything we can to help our folks. And I would even say this, I think we better be extremely careful how we deal with widows and even children who are fatherless. Because the Bible makes it very, 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 very clear that God especially cares for them. And if God cares for them, we ought to be careful how we treat them. Uh, but, but here's the second thing. You also see how the needs of the people can quickly overrun a ministry and distract it from its main purpose. And, and listen, you, you've got all these different needs within the church, and there's this mentality that you can go to the religious place of, of your religion and depend on them to help you. And now you've got people getting saved and baptized and, and there's a local visible assembly called the church. No doubt that mindset is going to carry over in the church at Ephesus. And here's the thing. At this time, there was really no guide. There was no standard on how to minister to these situations. And, and what I have found is this. When there's no guide... And there's no standard. Things can get very much out of control. And so Paul begins to give Timothy some principles here to go by on how widows can be cared for uh, in, in the church. And here's why. And again, the primary thing here is this. And it's so that the church doesn't get off course and become something that Christ never intended for her to be. All right. And, and so let me give you some of these things uh, tonight. No, number one, this is the principles that I gleaned from this tonight. And you may say, well, this preacher, this kind of sounds like a Sunday school lesson or a doctrinal lesson. Well, it kind of is, but you'll get over it. Number one is this. When caring for widows, listen to this. The first line of assistance is their own family. The first line of assistance is their own family. Look, 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 this, this principle is brought out in several verses. Look down at verse number four that we started in tonight. It says this, but if any widow have children or nephews, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Because it doesn't say nieces. Wonder why that is. Well, the culture that they lived in, right? But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to, and to requite the, their parents for that is good and acceptable for God. So if any widow has children or nephews, let them, meaning those children or nephews, show piety at home. The word piety is the idea of respect. Respect. Um, in other words, let children show respect to their parents by taking care of them. After all, they took care of you when you needed it. You understand? 
And this is good, he says, and acceptable in the sight of the Lord. After all, he commands us. And, and by the way, this isn't just an Old Testament commandment. It's given over in Ephesians. It's a New Testament commandment to honor thy father and thy mother. And, this, and by the way, that doesn't stop when you leave home. That doesn't stop when you leave home. This is an attitude that you should carry throughout your life. I, I'm telling you, I still, I, have to, I still have to do it when my mama tells me to do something. What are you going and, to... And, and I listen, unless she violates my responsibilities as a father or a husband, and I know that she would never do that, if she asks me to do something or tells me to do something, I'm to honor my mother. That's what we're supposed to do. Somebody say amen. I'm just telling you, that, that's the idea. And, and again, the word nephew there, it's not... And not niece, it's the reference to the culture of the day and the dependence upon the male. But again, it's the idea that the family is the first line of assistance for, for, for the widows. Now, we have three children and then we have one little one. And a lot of people, oh, you got a surprise there at the end. Well, it wasn't, I mean, we were trying. I mean, it was a shock in that sense that we just thought maybe we were beyond that. But we've always joked about this. We had Emily... And we were feeding her so that later on she could feed us. I will be almost 60 years old when she turns 18. That is a scary thought, man, right there. I, I was like, mercy, I can't even, I don't even, I don't even, don't remind me to never do that math again. And I listen, and I know we joke about those things, but the reality is that's the way it's supposed to work. That's what we do in honoring our parents and those in authority over us. It's listen, and, and it's not to be done out of uh, listen. And please listen to this tonight. And I realize probably most people in here that have done this or are doing this, they did it with the right motive. But you need to listen to this. It's not to be done out of manipulation or some kind of wicked desire to become the key recipient of their will or try to get all of their money. Listen to me, that's wicked. And that is evil. You are to do it because you love them, and you honor them, and you respect them. You know why? Because they cared for you. And they fed you. And, and, and here's the thing, and even if they didn't do things the way it should have been done biblically, you're still to do what's right. Look at verse number 8. He says this, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house. He hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And th this is a reference all the way back to what we just saw in verse number four. And I realize, look, we often use this verse to point out the sin of laziness in our day and the childish behavior of men who will not work and care for their families and provide for their families and right. And listen, and rightfully so, that, that we could use that verse to apply that. But, but you understand, this verse is, is, is meant to apply directly to the care of widows in its context. And again, during those days, only men were able to go out of the home and work and to bring home a, a living. It fell upon their shoulders to supply for their family. And, and by the way, that's the way it still should be. This is why God gave men the broad shoulders. It's so he can carry the burden of supplying for his family. And I'm, listen, and please understand this tonight. I'm not saying it's wrong for women to work. 
Not saying that at all. Read Proverbs 31. That was a lady who worked. That was a lady that cared for her home, done what she could to help her family, but at the same time, the primary care of the woman ought to be to her husband and her children and her household. And we got to be careful in our day and time that, it's, that, it, that we are living in a culture that is throwing all of these different things at us, many of which we don't need, but we think we need. And so it forces both the husband and the wife to get out of the home and go to work and to bring in all of these things. And we got to be careful to keep the main things the main things. Even in our homes. I, listen, I, I remember when we didn't have cell phones, and I'd kind of like to go back to that, to be honest with you. But I'm just saying to you, now I don't want the phone with the, I want the push button anyways. So, so you understand though, the primary provider of the home is to be the husband. And note that this verse speaks directly to male children, nephews of the widow, referenced there in verse number four. And if they do not care for their own family, he says this, they have denied the faith and is worse than, worse than an infidel. Do you, do you know what that means? That means this, not only is something spiritually wrong, but you are the lowest scum of the earth. That's what that means. You're worse than an infidel. You're worse than somebody that doesn't even know God. That's a pretty powerful thought when you think about that verse, isn't it? I'm just telling you right now, that's not where I... Listen to me. Well, preacher, you just don't understand. People need help. and think, Listen, men don't need a handout. Men need a heart change. And then go back to work. No, 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 I, I realize there are different situations and people get hurt, things like that. But I'm just telling you, generally speaking, men just need to suck it up and be men again. Don't get me started on that. I'm telling you, I've been studying couples retreat messages and this, and I'm, I may be all over the place tonight, so you'll just have to bear with me. You might get a, if you're going to the couples retreat, you might get a preview. Amen. Look at verse number 16. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them. And let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are that that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. The word relieve here means to help, as in financially. If there is a family that can care for them, uh, if there is family that can care for them, this burden should not fall on the on the shoulders of the church. Now that doesn't mean that the church cannot assist or help with certain situations, but it just simply means this: that the family is the one that should primarily care for them. And, and listen, and I've been involved in those things. I remember when I was pastoring in Cashville, and we had a dear, precious widow lady that was in the church, and her family was in the church, and she had a, she had a great need. She, she lived in a trailer, and the pipes would freeze underneath, and so they want, they, uh, she wanted to get some skirting around the trailer to keep, the, to keep it warm so her pipes wouldn't freeze and her family couldn't afford it. And so I said, you know what? That's something we can do. Let's do that. And I got the men together, and I went down to the supply uh, place there and they found out what we were doing and they donated some of the material and it was a real blessing and I had the men show up early in the morning on a Saturday morning and we worked all day and got that skirting done around that trailer and I'm glad we done it. That was a blessing and it, it was a blessing to serve and we had, we had men in our church that would go around and their teenage boys and things like that and when it snowed and they would shovel the sidewalks off for the widow ladies. Deacons in the church that done that and, and think, that's the way it ought to be done. Those are things that we, we can do. And, and so you understand. And, and, but, but here's the thing. But, but, but I'm also thankful that her family was the primary ones who honored her. 
and took care of her daily needs and things like that, and that those things didn't fall on the church. And listen to me, that's the way it ought to be. That is exactly the way it ought to be. Now, let me give you the second thing. So the first line of, the, the first line of assistance ought to be the family. Now, the second thing is this that you begin to see throughout this passage is that when caring for widows, they must meet, the widow must meet certain qualifications. Look, look at verses 5 through 7 with me. Now, she that is a widow indeed, desolate, trusteth in God, continueth in supplications of prayers night and day. But now watch the change here in verse number 6. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth, and these things give in charge that they may be blameless. So, so you understand here that this is the idea of, of now beginning to give certain qualifications to ensure that, that if you help someone, they, they need to have a godly uh, character about them, and this would ensure the church's testimony staying intact. Because he says in verse 7, and these things give in charge that they, talking about the church at Ephesus, that they may be blameless. You don't want to help someone that's in adultery or fornication or something. And then, the, then people are going, why is that church doing that? That's not right. You, you understand? So Paul points out some things here to, that, you know, that there is. I mean, obviously, with contrast to verses 5 and 6, that there is a such thing as a godly widow and a worldly widow. That's what he's pointing out here. In verse 6, uh, all right, verse 5, it talks about she's, she, she trusts in God. She's a prayer warrior. But in verse 6, she's ungodly and worldly desires and, and material gain, greed, even, even lust. And therefore, she has spiritual issues. She's, she's dead while she lives. She may be physically alive, but something is spiritually wrong on the inside. And so in order to determine between these two, Paul gives some more things down here. He says, look at verse number 9. So we've dealt with verse 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Look at verse number 9. Says, let not a woman, let not a widow be taken into number under three score years old. So that means this: she must be at least sixty years old. It's a qualification right there. Now we'll we'll see why in, in just a moment. But but then notice there's something else here in verse number nine, and it also says this: having been the wife of one man. And this is interesting to me. I you know I I, I know I was kind of pretty you know, dogmatic about this uh, in, in the past about, well, it's the idea that, you know, she's only been married one time. And, and that may be the, the, the interpretation there, but I think the overall idea is this, is that she wasn't an adulterer, she was faithful to her husband. And the reason that I say that is because, look at verse number 10, because the thought continues and it says this, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. And so that's the idea. That, listen, she's got to be 60 years old. She's got to be faithful to her husband. She's got to be, uh, have a godly testimony. She's faithfully raised her children. She's hospitable. She, she, ha she has people in their home. Washing their, their feet is the idea of hostility. Or not hostility, hospi hospitality. <laughs> Amen. I'm just telling you, some guys take off their shoes. That's hostility right there. Amen. That's threatening me <laughs> relieving the afflicted is the same idea giving serving and every good work is just simply obedient in the things of Jesus Christ 
You know, just as the care of widows cannot just be lip service, let me say this tonight, the qualification of widows cannot just be lip service. Are they a member of Faith Baptist Church? Are they in good standing with Faith Baptist Church? Do they faithfully attend? Do they tithe? Do they give to missions? Do they pray? Do they love others? These are things that are a godly testimony. And please understand this tonight. Please understand this. Paul's not trying to be cruel. He's not trying to do because the reality is when someone is not doing these things and, 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 and they find themselves in physical need, well, here's the thing. That may be the Lord trying to get their spiritual attention. And we're not to interfere with that. You understand what I'm saying? You're only prolonging what the Lord's trying to do in their life. Now, now let me give you some, some other things here. These qualifications are given as opposed to the tendencies of other widows, and, and, and some of which are not necessarily, or, or you know, some of which are not necessarily ungodly. Look at verse number eleven down there. It says, "But the younger widows refuse." And, and the idea here is this: is that they, they have a te- younger widows have a tendency to, to, to remarry. And so he says, but the younger widows refuse for when they have begun to wax wanton. Uh, and, and, he, and he says here against Christ, they will marry. But I also know this, is sometimes younger godly widows have a tendency to remarry. And, and that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with this. Look down at verse 14 and 15. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, for some are already turned aside after Satan. So in conclusion, Paul said it was his desire that younger women, even if widowed at an early age, that they would go ahead and remarry. This way they do not get, give the devil opportunity to give, get glory in their lives. The other thing was that some of the younger widows, some of the younger widows, they would eventually, they would be willing to leave the faith in order to remarry. And that's what verse number 11, he talks about, that they will begin to wax wanton against Christ. And then in verse 12, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And the word damnation right there, it means condemnation and judgment. It does not mean that somebody loses their salvation. You can't lose your salvation. But what it does mean is this, is that if you walk away from the things of God, just so you can remarry and the guy's lost, I'm telling you what, you're bringing the judgment of God on your situation. Thought I'd get a better response than that. But that's the reality. And some have done this out of desperation and desire to marry or even remarry. They leave the church and following Christ and end up marrying some lost guy. And the consequences of that are heartbreaking to watch. They are miserable. Well, why? Because there's strife and contention. Because listen to this. How can two walk together except they be agreed? They can't. Well, you know, preacher, I just, I'll, I'll change him. You got more influence on him when you don't marry him. Because once you marry him, he's got you exactly where he wants you. And now he can sit around and do nothing and eat potato chips and play video games. And there have also been those instances where becoming a widow revealed a person's fate. I've seen it where I've seen it where a spouse died, and as soon as they died, the other spouse never came back to church because they were only here because of their spouse. 
When I became the pastor in Cashville, the first, the, I mean within like a month, within probably like three or four weeks of me becoming the pastor, there was a lady in the church, a precious lady in the church, her and her husband was in the church, and she had a stroke, a massive stroke, and in three days she died. I had to preach her funeral, minister to her family. I, I stayed on her husband, tried to get him to come, keep coming, keep coming and coming. He came back to church one time, and after that he never came back to church. You know what that tells me? The only reason he was coming to church was just to make her happy. Please listen to this. You're supposed to come to church to make him happy. You're, you're here for the wrong reason. And I've seen people get saved because they, the first time they made a profession was because they just, you know, they're trying to make their husband happy or their, or their wife happy. And then, and then they walked the aisle the next week and got saved, really got saved because they realized it wasn't about making them happy. It was because I'm a sinner and I need to be saved and God loves me and wants me to be saved. We better keep the main things the main things, folks. I'm just saying the other, the other opposition to those qualifications that Paul mentioned was that some widows were just outright ungodly and it had nothing to do with their age. Look at verse number 13. And with all they learned to be idle and wandering from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they, which they ought not. The, the word idle means lazy. They were unwilling to pull their weight in the home. And instead, they went from house to house, you know, just chatting it up. Gossip, 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 gossip. Zip it. I'm so sick of gossip. If you don't have anything good to say, then here's, here, let me help you with this tonight. Shut up. Well, I just can't believe you tell me that. Well, in the Greek, it means shut up. No, I'm just, just stop. Be quiet. I'm sick of that stuff. Stop it. When, and here's the thing. Nowadays, you ain't even going to leave the house. Oh, let me get on Facebook. Puke. You know, there are some women, and, and by the way, even men. I got just women in my nose, but let me add, there's some men who wouldn't have a life if they didn't have their gossip and their drama. And what Paul's telling Timothy is this, you need to be careful here. And you need to examine the individual, and you need to help those godly widows, but you need to avoid helping those that are ungodly, and here's why. Because you're just contributing to their ungodliness, and you're going to hurt the church's testimony. And so Paul concludes his instruction in, in verses 14 through 16, where, where he says this, that, that, and we already read this, but if, the, if let, let the younger widows, the younger ladies get married, but the godly older widows care for them, let their family care for them, and help the family care for them, honor them. And all of this is wonderful instruction, and it gives us principles on how to care for our widows, and because many of God's people Follow this instruction for the most part. The financial burdens of caring for widows has not fallen on this church. And I praise God for that. Because we need a new parking lot. But I also thought of some other things tonight. Go figure. See, we, we don't. And, and, and again, and I'm, I'm really grateful because we have faithful families in our church that honor their moms and their dads and their grandmas and grandpas. We don't get a lot of calls from widows in our church, and I'm thankful for that. But you know what we do get calls of? 
We get calls almost every day for financial assistance. Every day. Hey, uh, I'm over here at the Motel 6 across uh, down the highway here. Uh, does your church do anything to help? Or I'm, 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 I'm stuck on, and, and, and here's the thing. In order, for, in order for us to keep this ministry's focus on the gospel and to keep our testimony blameless, I think there's some principles we can draw from this right here that can help us with dealing with, with those situations. Let me give you some things here quickly tonight, and I'm through. Number one is this, and, and the reason I'm telling you this tonight is so you can understand, I have thought about these things, and I'm not heartless. I got like two amens out of that. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry, to be honest with you. But the re- reason really I am, I'm telling you these things, not, and, and not just so you'll know I'm not heartless, all right, but, but also it's so that when we try to deal with these things the best that we can, I don't need somebody to criticize me. I need people to go, hey, preacher, you did your best. We love you. Let's keep our church intact and do things right. You understand what I'm saying? And so here's, here's some things that I thought about from this passage. When it comes to physically helping others, our primary goal ought to be to first help our own. Church family. When it comes to helping others, you need to know this, and I want you to listen to this tonight. Many of those people who panhandle and constantly call the church for financial help, this is a lifestyle that they are choosing to live. A lot of them want to stay off the radar, so to speak, because of past criminal activity, and, and please, and here's the other thing, and I'm going to stress this tonight, but don't think that I'm mean-spirited and refuse to help everybody. That, that's not my heart at, at all. And if you know me, you would know that, that's, that's the furthest thing from, from the truth. Because the reality is, and I want you to listen to this tonight, I have bought people groceries. In this church, as the pastor of this church, I have bought people groceries. I have, bought, I have filled up people's gas tanks. I have bought people food. I will not give somebody cash. And if you run into somebody, you don't give them cash. Okay? And I, I've, even had, I've, even had, I've even had people come to this church and ring the buzzer out there. I had a guy come out one time and said, man, I'm just hungry. And I said, man, get in a truck. And I went back to my office and got my gun because I'm not dumb. And we went and got in the vehicle and I drove up here to McDonald's and bought him breakfast. Because we, we should do, I'm, I'm all for that. But here's the thing. Out of all the people that we've helped, and I'm talking about in this church and even pastoring back in Cassville, out of all the people that we've helped like this, 100% of them have never come back to the church and gave thanks or gave back or followed the Lord. Do you know that? 100%. I'm not, I'm not even talking about like 99 or 98. I'm talking about 100. Everybody. The majority of them abuse the compassion of God's people. And I've even had them get... Listen, I had, we had a guy out here that was sleeping out here under the awning one time and before the service and, and the security went over there and got... And, 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 and sent him, you know, down the road. And I was walking in and, and so I followed him and I was going to talk to him about the Lord or whatever. And I said, hey man, I said... I said, everything all right? And he said, well, it was until your guy showed up. And I looked at him, I'm like, really? 
We just messed up. You're, this is not a hotel. Because it's not. And that's just the kind of wound up I need to come in and preach. It's a, everybody's a victim. But also keep in mind when it comes to physically helping others, we must remain balanced. And what I mean by that is this. I don't want to get to a place where I lose my compassion for those kind of situations. Because I know it's 100% right now, but it may not be before this thing's over with. You understand what I'm saying? And so I don't want to lose my compassion, but at the same time, I don't want to be taken advantage of. I, listen, that, that's why I have rules like this. I, have, I don't deal with these kind of things on Sunday. I don't, I don't, I don't, if people come in and they want help, from the, you know, they want to talk to the pastor on, on Sunday and they want help from the church. I don't deal with this stuff on Sunday because Sunday is my day to minister to the people that God's called me to. And so that's just my rule. That's, I don't deal with it. And so I, you're more than welcome to stay in the service and, and listen to the preaching and things like that. But I just don't do those things on Sunday. And you can always come back tomorrow, but tomorrow's my day off. So you're going to have to wait till Tuesday. And it kind of works out pretty good. It's just a standard I developed. One of, the, one of those things happened, and I'll just tell you this, and I don't, I don't mean, y'all okay? We all right? I had a guy come in one time and sit in my office, and he smelled so bad. And it was, it was on, I think it was on a Sunday night. He smelled so bad, and this was when I was in Cassville. He stunk up my whole office, and I was so mad. I told him, go home and take a bath. You stink. I did. I was mad. Maybe somebody needed to tell him. And nobody else had the curse. That's what a real friend will do. He'll tell you if you've got something hanging out your nose or not. He's told him, you stink. And I had, to, I had to spray and fumigate my office, and I was mad. And I just, I looked at my guy when that happened. And, all, and of course, he was there for security purposes and stuff. And this was on a Sunday night. And that's when I just decided, I said, look, we're not doing this stuff on Sundays anymore. I'm done. And that's just been my rule ever since. But here's the point. We're not going to waste the Lord's money on those who are evil. And they're unwilling to work. When, when here's the thing, when it's often our own that are in need. It infuriates me to watch a government do this with my tax money. What makes you think it'd be okay for us to do it with the Lord's money? I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to help somebody, it's going to be our widows. It's going to be our church people. It's going to be church planners and missionaries. They have needs. Read, read that church planner's list. They have dental work that needs to be done. They got people dealing with cancer. They have needs. That's who I'd rather help. We're, and listen, and I have people, well, we, we just need some money. And I'll tell them, we're not a bank. You called the wrong place. Call Matt Whitney. No, I don't, I don't, I'll give him your cell too. No, I don't do it. And we're not a money tree. And we're not going, listen, and we're not going to turn Faith Baptist Church into a homeless shelter. Or, or some kind of food bank. And I listen, and I'm not knocking those things. And I've even talked about, and Eric and I have talked about maybe having like a pantry or something like that for when, when those things happen. And we've got food that we can give them instead of taking them over to Walmart and letting them just go through and grab, fill up four grocery carts and paying a bunch of money. We can give them a sack of food and, and, and they can have enough to live on to get to a shelter or something like that. But here's the idea. I believe that Faith Baptist Church's primary responsibility is to be a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're to see churches planted and missionaries sent out and the gospel to go around the world. That's what we're to be about. And number two, their family is to be their first line of assistance. 
Can you not see that right here? And like the widows, those who are in need ought to have their family as their first line of assistance. And I realize that some may not have family, but the reality is that's really rare to not have anyone. See, the truth is, most do have family. And their family will no longer help them. Because they've proven themselves to be unworthy of helping, and that's why they call us, and I'm not doing it. Number three, and I'm done. They ought to meet some godly qualifications. Why? Well, why? Because if we help those who are in wickedness, you realize we become accomplices of their wickedness? 99% of the time, you give a guy addicted to drugs, you give him money, guess what he's going to spend it on? He's not going to go and buy a hamburger to feed himself. He's going to go buy more drugs. Why do I want to contribute to that? Why would I want our church to contribute to, to that? You, we've, we, I'm, not, I'm not interested in enabling anybody with their addictions. Proverbs 29, 7. If you take notes, you ought to write this verse down and remember it. Proverbs 29, 7. Here's what it says. It says, The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. The righteous considereth the cause of the poor. You know what that means? That means that someone who is righteous and trying to be a good steward of the things that God has given them, they will consider why a person is in the circumstances that they are in. Because they don't want to be accomplices of it. So all of this really tonight, it comes back to stewardship. Let us care for our personal families as God has commanded us in His Word. And let us make sure that Faith Baptist Church keeps the main thing, the main thing. Let's all stand tonight.